Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Big thing on Total Soccer Show, the weekly episode where we dig into one of the meatiest current affairs topics in the beautiful game. And this week, we're looking at Napoli. After losing Luciano Spalletti to the national team over the summer, the reigning Serie A champions have made a slightly less auspicious start to the season under Rudy Garcia. Napoli currently sit in fifth place in Serie A as we record some seven points off the pace after eight rounds. Today we're looking at what's going on at the club, who might be their next manager and what we can realistically expect from them this season and beyond. My name's Ryan Bailey. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today to do uh, to talk about all of this and much more, Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. Call me Ryan Bailey. I'll learn to say my own name better in future. Joe Lowry. Hello. Hello, Ron. Yes. Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Ruffin. Grammar Ruffin. Hello. Hello, Brian. Hello, indeed. Shall we get straight to it? Uh, Graham, I'm aware that this is a moving story, as most of our big thing topics are. Rudy Garcia, as we record, still is in gainful employment. Will that be the case for much longer? So at the time of recording, you're right, Ryan, Rudy Garcia is still Napoli manager. Uh, the reporting out of Italy is that Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis is, is using the international break to really assess Garcia and whether the team is heading in the right direction under his control. Napoli, I wouldn't say they've had a disastrous start to the season, but they are fifth in the Serie A table as the defending Scudetto winners, and there are some concerns. And Napoli, they were such an exhilarating story last season when they won their first Scudetto since the days of Maradona. There was a time in that season where I had them down as Champions League favourites because of the level that they were they were playing at. We had such a good time watching them. Um, this season, however, it has been a bit messier. It all seems to have come to a head during the international break. Napoli went into that international break on the back of a 3-1 home defeat to Fiorentina. They lose to Real Madrid at home in the Champions League as well. And De Laurentiis, he was at Napoli training on, on, on Thursday to watch the team and then have a chat with, with Rudy Garcia. It had been suggested that this might be to tell Garcia that he had been dismissed. Um, but that might have been a bit premature by all accounts. De, De Laurentiis is, is, is still kind of shopping around, though. He's approached at least one big name manager who we'll mention a little bit later on about taking over. Rudy Garcia wasn't the first choice in the summer. And it sort of reminds me of the Nuno situation that Spurs had a couple seasons ago where they just couldn't let go of the feeling that he wasn't the right man for the job. I personally think that is the right feeling. Rudy Garcia always felt like a slightly awkward fit for this team, particularly succeeding Luciano Spalletti so it's a similar sort of thing with with Garcia com comparing it to the Spurs situation with Nuno and I'll be very very surprised if he sees out the season at Napoli 
Yeah, it's interesting uh, that De Laurentiis hasn't acted as we record, Graham. Uh, you said he met, he met with the team on Thursday. On Tuesday, I believe it was, he's quoted in Republica saying, I'm having a bad time with Garcia. I'm an entrepreneur and I must be interested in what happens inside the company. Interesting. The coach and the sports director are at your service, he added, sounding very businesslike, uh, did uh, Oreo De Laurentiis there. But uh when you say I'm having a bad time with your coach in the press, it's not, <laughs> it's not great usually saying. an endorsement, I would say. No, and that's the thing with De Laurentiis. He's, he's, he's very outspoken. If he is unhappy, he will say so to multiple media outlets. And even with Spalletti, he, he did similar with Spalletti. That first season that Spalletti was Napoli manager wasn't, wasn't all rosy. And there was a bit of tension between De Laurentiis and um, Spalletti, which ultimately, I think, resulted in Spalletti leaving Napoli at the end of last season. The official, the public reason that Spalletti gave was that he was tired, he was fatigued, that he put everything into winning that Scudetto title. Um, unofficially, it was reported that he had kind of fallen out with De Laurentiis. He was unhappy with basically Napoli. Um, they had an option to trigger an extension in his contract until 2024. They apparently didn't tell Spalletti that they had triggered that extension. They announced it publicly. They, they put out a press release. And so Spalletti, for him, that was the final straw. So yeah, De, De Laurentiis, even when things are going well for Napoli, it always feels like he can be a, a, a pretty volatile presence yeah. in that club. And if we go back to the beginning of last season, similar issues to start the year that there were... I think uh, supporters were publicly heckling the team, heckling Spalletti, uh, being frustrated with some of the departures and some of the signings, though I think one of the signings that they didn't like was Kvica Kvaratskelia, which has obviously worked out quite well for them. But I think it was a perceived lack of endeavor that basically they're selling on uh, big players. They're not really signing big enough players, though that seems to have worked out quite well for them, as I said. But there were similar concerns and frustrations, and there was even some reporting that Spalletti was going to walk away before the season began or after the first couple games. So this is nothing new. It just feels like also within the context of what's going on with Victor Olsiemen, with with what's going on with like Serie A football in general. It, it feels like a, a bigger topic, but it isn't one that's like Napoli are fully on fire, to Graham's point, and they're in the relegation zone or anything like that. Taylor, I know you have everyone at Napoli on speed dial. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. Toronto FC would like you to ask them if they're interested in Insigne back. Uh, <laughs> I know, you know, they weren't happy to see that talent exodus like you're talking about. I think yeah. that would be worth a call. Yeah, I think so. I, I think yeah, we can make that happen. Sure, I'll, I'll get them. On, I'll get them on, on speed dial right now. I do love speaking of that. The idea of uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis talking about how, like, I'm here for the manager if he needs me. And if you just pan down to his phone, it's got, like, 15 unanswered calls to Antonio <laughs> Conte. Like, no, I'm, we're totally committed to him. I didn't at all try to hire another manager quite up. publicly and Please get rejected up. for that one. And, and just for context for the listener, we've mentioned Aurelio De Laurentiis uh, quite a few times on this episode already. He He's uh, a name you've probably heard. No doubt you've heard if you're into Serie A. But he is a character that looms large in Italy. He's known uh, not just for owning Napoli, but for his role as a businessman, mainly as, as a film producer, and he mm-hmm. owns a, a film company as well. So he's a, he's a very, he's very Todd big... Bully. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's like Berlusconi, who had like obviously media interests and soccer interests as well, his, and also political. He, he made films of a different type, though. <laughs> is it his? <laughs> is Dino De Laurentiis his uncle or father? I think it's his uncle. I believe it's his uncle. Yeah. So go. that was yeah. a Chinachita dynasty, basically, that he's a part of, and he's a uh, he's uh, yeah a very fancy billionaire film producer who swans around Italy. Uh, I'll, I'll take out swans around because he's uh, probably got a fire truck of his own. Joe. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you let's go back to the start of the season, and you're you're an Napoli fan, and you see Rudy Garcia come in. How are you feeling about that appointment? 
I'm not feeling great about it because I think if you're a Napoli fan, you want continuity from last year to this year. You would much prefer to see um, the duck man himself, Spalletti, back and in, in continuing in his role. Like, <laughs> I don't see why you would want to deviate <laughs> from that when you have the opportunity to, to try and run it back. And, and to be honest, Napoli still have that opportunity. They are in the hole, and I, I don't think they're title favorites at this point. I, I think they were probably very, very slight title favorites before the year started. But I think slight is the right term to use there, given the quality of the other teams towards the top of Serie A. But you want to try to keep Osimhen. You did that. You want to try to keep Kvaradana. You did that. Ideally, you want to try and keep them, the manager, on the sidelines. And they, they ultimately couldn't make that happen. So you see Rudy Garcia come in. Stylistically, I, I don't think it was a bad choice from Napoli. I think you look at how Rudy Garcia wants to play. You look at how this team has played this year. They dominated the ball last year under Spalletti. They are dominating the ball this year under Garcia. There are a ton of tactical similarities from what we saw last year to this year. Sure, there are going to be micro differences as you move from one coach to another. But I think as a Napoli fan, generally speaking, you're not in love with the fact that you had to make a transition. But if I'm a Napoli fan and I see what Garcia is trying to do on the field, I'm saying, like, yeah, he's he's mostly putting us in similar positions to where we were last year. I find Rudy Garcia a really difficult coach to pin down. I've watched a number of his teams. It was his Roma team, right, that put out Barcelona in the in the Champions League, that famous comeback. He has uh, coached Lille in, in Ligue 1 for a, for a spell, had a lot of success there. He's been at Lyon, he's been at Marseille. I, 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 wouldn't, I, I won't pretend that I've watched every single one of, of, of his matches, but I have watched a good amount of these teams. And... Some of sometimes his styles at one team will contradict his styles at another team. So yes, Joe, I think if you look at his Roma team that did well in the Champions League, which is probably what De Laurentiis and Napoli are looking at when they're when they're hiring him for this job, is how has he done in this country previously? Yes, I think there is overlap there. But I've also seen his teams previously, like like at Leon. I remember talking about his team at Leon, and they they were quite a pragmatic, quite a dull team. Um, so yeah, he does. He he has had teams that play in quick transition football in the past, but I think he's more about micro adjustments. And 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 we we saw that in that game against Real Madrid and how he was able to stem the flow of that game. But succeeding Spalletti, who was such an ideologue and had a clear vision for this how this team should play, and he was uncompromising and he was charismatic and all that shone through as Napoli won the Scudetto last season. Um, it was always going to be difficult to replace that. There was probably only a, a very short list of candidates that could replace Spalletti, but Garcia was never on that on that list for me. And I look at how Napoli played against Fiorentina just before the international break, and I and I went back and watched watched all of that game. The lack of energy, the lack of coherence, just just the lack of anything that reminded me of last season's Napoli team, and that is quite stark um, comparing them to how they played last year. I'll push back on some of that from Graham, and I won't confess to have watched every Rudy Garcia team ever either, so I do want to make that clear. But you go through and look at some of the seasons that Garcia had. You can look at Roma, you can look at Lyon. They, they did dominate quite a bit of the ball. You look at Roma towards the end of his time there. Graham, you mentioned that comeback against Barcelona. They were trying to be a proactive team. The same goes for Lyon. I'm not saying that's that's been there to the extreme every single stop along the way, but I don't think there are these massive differences. Even when I watch Napoli now, I, I don't know that they're the exact same team. They lose Kim Min-jae, which is a big loss for them in the middle of the back line. But when I watch Napoli play, I see something that looks quite similar. The only difference is they're not finding the back of the net and they are conceding a little bit more. Like they're just not having the, quite the same fortune when it comes to those last actions 
as they did last year. And it's really easy to work backwards from the result rather than to work forwards from what you actually see in, in the final third or some of those kinds of things. But at least my view when I watch Napoli play and when I've watched them this season is that they look an awful lot like this team. Maybe not the exact same team, but from what I've seen, I, I do see much more similarities, many more similarities than I see differences. Yeah, I appreciate that you all have gone like in-depth on this one. I'm going to keep it a bit more surface. I think part of the problem with Rudy Garcia is that he's Rudy Garcia. Uh, as harsh as that is going to sound, if you look at the list of Napoli's most recent managers from like the last 10 years... It's Rafa Benitez starting in 2013. He leaves in 2015. Maurizio Sarri comes in. Then it's Carlo Ancelotti. Then it's Gennaro Gattuso. We don't need to talk about that. Then it's Spalletti. Then it's Rudy Garcia. And it's Rudy Garcia who you all are talking about Roma and Lyon. Uh, uh, and, yeah. And I think he's done with Lyon in 2021. So then there's the stint with Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia. He leaves by mutual consent, and then a few months later, he's, hi he's hired by Napoli. So it's not even as though he left Al Nasser to specifically sign for Napoli, and they identified him as a potential uh, person who could kind of keep the program moving in the right direction. It seems like a guy who kind of hasn't had a ton of success uh, and isn't that sort of inspirational of a figure. He's not going to buy you a ton of time because it's Spalletti who has a ton of history and a ton of success, or Ancelotti or even Benitez. And so I think with Rudy Garcia, it, he is very much a what have you done for me lately is the critical question. And right now, it seems like though the style is roughly the same, since the results aren't fully the same uh, and the players don't seem to be as happy or there doesn't seem to be as much buy in, yeah. according to reports. That's where I think a lot of the problem really lies. That that term that you just used there, Taylor, I think is key, buy-in. I don't see buy-in from this Napoli team. I think I think I do differ from, from Joe in terms of watching this Napoli team. I think there has been a, a drop-off in performance levels. We can argue whether that's down to last season being an overachievement. I think that is a fair point. Napoli yeah. were excellent last season, but it's unrealistic to expect they were going to do that two seasons in a row to run away with the Serie A title by, by Christmas, which is effectively what happened but you look at the Victor Osman situation which we, sh we should probably talk about a little bit more in depth and how he is mm. now getting hooked off in games and um, when Napoli are losing which I, I you know I, I, I often think fans go over the top when a manager takes off an attacking player when they're chasing a goal the manager might be shifting things a little bit maybe that approach isn't working but I have, in the two games that he's done it in, I have found it very confusing that Rudy Garcia has taken Victor Osman off in those situations. He did it in the Fiorentina game rather than maybe going two up top or, or maybe shifting the, the, the structure around Osman. He takes he puts on as a, a Gio Simeone in, in that game. But Victor Osman, there's a, this strange situation where, a bizarre episode where he misses a penalty in a goalless draw against Bologna. And then the official Napoli TikTok account publishes a, a video mocking Osman. The, the, the video shows him as, as, as a coconut, um, which apparently is some sort of young person trend on, on TikTok. But obviously that is a very loaded thing with, with um, you know, racial undertones there. Um, and to the average person and to Osman, it seems um, it seemed like Napoli were mocking their own player for missing a penalty, and he wasn't very happy about that. And there's also suggestions that Garcia and Osman aren't seeing eye to eye. As I say, there's been incident, incident instances where he's come off in games and there's been a little bit of a disagreement between the two on the touchline. And all this is bad news for Napoli because they have spent much of 2023 
trying to tie Osman down to a new contract. His current mm-hmm. contract is set to expire in um, June 2025. And Napoli are understandably worried about that because, if he, of course, if you get to the summer window next year, his value is going to be decreased because of that contract only having a year left. So none of this has has helped them in contract discussions. And while it might not be a direct factor in terms of performances on the pitch, it has certainly added to this sense of displeasure around Napoli right now. Yeah. Yeah, and you said, Graham, that you were sort of confused, perplexed by Osim Hen being substituted off. So too is he. That's been a, a, a very public thing, is that he, uh, as he comes off, holds up two fingers, which can be interpreted a different way, though I think in this case he was saying basically, why why didn't you play uh, me in a front two? That would have ma- made a difference. I think he was frustrated by that substitution. Uh, Kvartskalia has also been fr- frustrated at times when he has been brought off. He doesn't really hide that level of annoyance. And... Uh, like, think about the Beckham documentary again. We're just going to keep referencing it every single episode. Uh, they talked about how you never want a player to be happy to be substituted. You want to see them be angry because, like, the best players are. But I think there's a difference between being frustrated at being substituted when it seems like it makes sense versus substituting some of your most important attackers when you're chasing a game or you need to get a goal. It, it I think when it starts to feel illogical or it starts to feel like a short-sighted decision... I think that's when more questions start getting asked. And, and I think, Graham, you're absolutely right that there was so much coverage of Alcimans about to sign this ri- ridiculously lucrative contract extension. He's going to be around for multiple years. He's going to have a crazy buyout clause. It's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. And it remains on the way. And I think that is another sort of warning sign that he isn't very happy, uh, certainly not with being featured on TikTok, but also it seems with the way the club is being operated. And I think that is probably also what is leading to the reporting that De Laurentiis is looking around for a new manager. Indeed. Maybe looking around for a new TikTok manager as well, because also they've that. also put a, uh, also a, a very disturbing voice on top of the uh, uh, penalty yeah, appar- instant graphic. Apparently that's a young person thing as well. Listen to Gabriel Mercotti and Julian uh, Laurent talking about how in Italy that's like a young person thing. If, if you Joe, read now young people there, yeah. Joe, you're a resident young person. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> if you read through the the uh, Mercotti article that was about the, the Osimhen-Napoli incident, um, it... I imagine it made everyone reading it feel a bit old. It's written like you have to translate all of these things and sort of like even what TikTok is and all, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, I get that. I'm sympathetic to that. I don't think that was the smart move to post that particular video. But no. um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a few heads that have already rolled there. Indeed. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're sticking in Naples. We're going to talk about Rudy Garcia's reign. Uh, what's coming next? What's uh, look, the squad looking like? Much more back shortly. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willingly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Welcome back to the big thing on Total Soccer Show. Um, Graham, obviously it's not going well for Rudy Garcia. We've established that in part one of this episode. But surely it was never... He, he didn't have the best introduction into this team. Obviously they lost. They kept. They had three big players. They kept two of them. So that's a good thing. But coming after Spalletti, who obviously did a, a once-in-a-generational thing for this team. Mm-hmm. Very tough act to follow, right? Oh, absolutely. And I was I was in the uh, the Naples area, as you were, Ryan, around that time of Napoli winning the Scudetto. And you'll have seen all the banners with Sp- like Spalletti murals on the side of buildings. There was three people that um, had murals or four people, if you include Maradona. There's Maradona, they still paint Maradona murals in, in Napoli, even though it's been a, a long time now, which is understandable. But uh, Victor Osman, Kvarat Scalia and Spalletti were the three you would always see. You would see those three on murals. And and so he is a, a beloved figure in the same way that maybe not to the same extent, but he's in for Napoli fans. They talk about him in the same breath as Maradona now, which says a lot for his, his standing at that club. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was always going to be difficult. Um, I think Spalletti is an excellent coach as well. Um, he's very, I've already spoken about this, but he's very clear in his vision. He's a bit of an ideologue. He kind of stands for more than just football. He's more than more than just a football manager. Um, so you're right, it was always going to be difficult. Um, they also approached Roberto De Zerbe before Rudy Garcia. That was in the summer. That was De Laurentiis's first choice was Roberto De Zerbe. He turns that job down. He wants to have a full season with Brighton. I kind of feel like that one's not finished. Yeah, actually, I feel like Deserby to Napoli might happen at some point in the future. Of course, if City or someone else don't get their hands on him first, but um, I have I have mixed thoughts on whether Napoli should be better this season because, as I've said already, I think last season was a bit of a an overachievement. Um, that's not to say that this isn't a good team on paper that they don't have they don't have talent, but I think it's unrealistic to expect the achievements of of last season again. Um, but their performances this year, I think, have been uh, below par. They lost two big pieces of their team over the summer, obviously Spalletti being one of them. Joe mentioned they lost Kim Min Jae. I looked at some of the numbers around him. So they've, they're missing his physicality as a defender, I think, is pretty clear right now, but also his ability on the ball. So he averaged the most passes per 90 for Napoli last season of any Napoli player. 
And now you look at uh, Nathan, Nathan, I'm not entirely sure how you how you pronounce that. He came from Brazil in, in the summer. He was signed to be the Kim replacement, and he is way down on those numbers. He's he's not near the top of the list for, for, for Napoli. So, so that has changed the profile of the team, and I just wonder if taking Kim out as the foundation of that team has had a ripple effect through the rest of the squad. And injuries have been a factor as well. I think we should mention that. Kavarat Scalia misses the first few games of the season. Politano as well as another slightly underrated player for Napoli that, that sometimes goes under the radar, but he's missed games as well. So that certainly hasn't helped things either. Everything kind of went right for Napoli last year. And, and we talked about this last year, right? You had the style, you had the flair, you had the story, all of those very um, sort of non-tangible things. You had all of that. And then you also had really, really strong finishing, really solid, or at least above average goalkeeping, and a little bit of fortune on the defensive end. So I looked through some of the, the more macro underlying numbers for Napoli throughout the course of last season. Last year, they actually weren't the top team in terms of chance creation based off of non-penalty expected goals. And they weren't the top defensive team either based off their ability of restricting those chances to the opposition. I believe they were second in both of those categories behind Inter's attack and Roma's defense. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't remember all of that. It's been a while since I checked in on Napoli and, and what their numbers looked like. Their underlying numbers are actually better this year than they were last year. They're just not quite finishing at the same rate. So, so this year, they have 1.1, sorry, 1.51 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. And they have scored 1.63 non-penalty goals so far. So they're doing quite well. But last year, they racked up 1.49 non-penalty expected goals per 90. And they scored 1.76 non-penalty goals. So last year, they overperformed, just like they're overperforming a little bit this year. But they did it by a wider margin. And so we're seeing some of that drop-off then where they're not finishing chances at quite the rate they were last year. They're still creating quality moves, at least based off of, of expected goals, which is not telling the whole story. But I think it gives us a nice little snippet here. But they're just not quite finishing in the same way. And the other thing that, mm -hmm. that I think about when it comes to a little bit of a drop-off here is goalkeeping. I mentioned it just a second ago. Alex Moret, their starting goalkeeper last year, the starting goalkeeper again this year. He has been one of the worst goalkeepers in Serie A so far in the early part of this season. He's letting in almost a third of a goal more than expected per 90 minutes, which is is not good. Like, that is really, really, really bad. Last year, he saved a little more than expected. So he has totally flipped on his head and has gone from a very serviceable quality keeper that's not going to lose you games to a keeper that that is going to lose you games. Now, the sample size is still small, to be very clear about that. But the early signs about Napoli aren't, aren't terrible. Like the way that I think about this team, yes, there are some issues with them being a, a bit of a chaos club, as Graham likes to say, meddling from ownership. And I think that does cause problems a lot of the time. I'm not denying some challenges between Rudy Garcia and Victor Olsiman and some challenges between Napoli and Victor Olsiman. And those are, are huge issues. Like that is not something that you can sustain necessarily. But based off of just the pure sporting side, I don't think there's a massive reason to want to go out there and, and make a ton of changes. I think patience is, is really the biggest thing that's called for here. I I agree with all of that until the very end, uh, because I think it's a matter of perspective. If you think the issue is De Laurentiis tinkering and getting overly involved, or if you think the issue is Garcia not motivating, not being the guy, basically. Uh, because I think of something like Last Chance You. I really love that series, both the football and basketball ones on Netflix. Uh, and there's one season where a team is like pretty dysfunctional. Their coach screams a lot and doesn't have a whole lot of like game planning or organization. 
but they have the talent. They they go on a winning streak, and the dysfunction sort of fades. It's still there, but when you're winning and everyone is feeling confident, I think a lot of issues fall by the wayside or will kind of be on the back burner until they're not on the back burner anymore. And when you're not winning or when things aren't quite clicking, uh, then I think those issues start to bubble over and boil up and things can explode. And I wouldn't say that we're anywhere near that with Napoli, but I think if you're Aurelio De Laurentiis, you're looking at this and thinking it's not the same energy, it's not necessarily the same vibes, even if things aren't severely bad. Like, lest we forget Napoli win the league last year. I think Lazio second. Lazio are now, what, 13th in the table? They are far below where Napoli are. There are worse positions to be in. But I think the question becomes, is Garcia the one who will turn it around and get everybody on side and make everybody happy and then we'll have that run of form? Or is he not going to do that and our player is going to start to switch off even more? And do you take decisive action before that downturn can truly happen? That's not really a thing that we can know for sure, but it's what I think is sort of where there is an interesting point to keep an eye on when it comes to Napoli. They just don't love Rudy Garcia. Like He's come after Spalletti, who they loved by the end and became this figure. And it's a little bit like the Ferguson Moyes thing where, um, well, it's not quite the same because I would say Garcia is doing better than Moyes did at Manchester United, but... Garcia's not doing badly at Napoli, you would say. They just, from players to 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 De Laurentiis to fans, they just they, he's just not theirs. They just don't love him, and that, it feels like they just can't get over that. And so that's why I think he's doomed. Even if Napoli are in that top four in in Serie, yeah. I will be very surprised if he sees out the season. They'll try to find someone that they just like a bit better and is a little bit more. Um, charismatic and gets them and maybe that's not how football managers should be judged but that's how what I feel like the situation is with Napoli here which is just an absurd admission of guilt from Napoli and the decision makers from De La Rente. like it, it boggles my mind that you would be two months into a season less than a month and a half into the season and you're like oh yeah I mean, this guy isn't for us. We've learned so much more about him in this month and a half than we did in the entire interview process. Like, we never saw this coming. That just makes you look like a fool. Like, it makes Napoli look foolish for this decision that they made. And I'm not denying that that's the case. But when we're talking about a team that goes from title winner last year to a team that's now maybe just in title contention or or after dropping some points early on, maybe just a little bit outside that at the moment, like, it doesn't take a genius to figure out some of the things behind why it seems like they've been so unstable for so long and why it had been so long since they won a title do we feel at all like ryan bailey is at fault here like ryan bailey living in italy napoli doing fine as soon as ryan leaves things seem to fall off so maybe it's spalletti and then ryan bailey as the major influences into napoli's current campaign so i was the linchpin uh, holding things together is what you're suggesting uh-huh. Taylor. okay yeah. yes. your departure was a huge blow to the south of italy's economy yes <laughs> your disdain for the south was what was motivating them and uniting maybe, maybe naples <laughs> They shouldn't have a Ryan-based economy. That's all I'm suggesting. But uh, I think it is a very good point that they're not taking to him because I think we underestimate the importance of fan power uh, at, a, at Italian clubs and particularly at Napoli as well. The ultras and the fans there, uh, they make their voices heard, should we yeah. say. So I think if they don't they'll talk to a manager... Car. Right. So <laughs> they'll, they'll take your car. They will uh, name your duck. They'll do many things. I said name, not name. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's another level. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Indeed. Maybe if Rudy Garcia had a, a cute pet or and a tiny car, things would be different and they would have taken to him. I'm, I'm being sincere. Like, well. they, they were personality sort of quirks, weren't they, of, of Spalletti yeah. that Rudy Garcia doesn't have. And it's it's part of the intangible um, the, the intangibility of fandom, right? I've been, I've been there with Sterling Albion where 
there's a manager I can think of one in particular who you you will not have heard of, but Stuart, Stuart McLaren, Sterling Albion manager, didn't do badly at Sterling Albion, just wasn't really for me, just didn't really have that buy-in from the fans, and and that's it's it's an intangible thing, but for a fan it is it is important. So in a certain sense, even though it's stupid, and I agree with Joe, it doesn't say much for the recruitment process at all. Nor does the fact that they seem to have Antonio Conte and Roberto oh, De Zerbi on the same yeah. shortlist as candidates. Um, that doesn't say a lot for Napoli. I, I, I kind of understand it. I kind of get where they're coming from with Garcia. Yeah. But, but Graham, obviously, we've, we've mentioned this previously, but it's it's relatively early in the season. Napoli are in fifth. They're not exactly Chelsea-ing it up in the bottom half of the table at this point, are they? It could be a lot worse. And fifth, arguably, is a round par for this team historically, certainly in the last decade yeah. or so. Historically, I think that is correct. But I think another factor here is that Napoli know that they've got two superstars in Kvaratskhelia and uh, Osman. And so I think there's a pressure for them. They know, surely they know deep down. I know they're trying to tie them to new contracts and so on, but surely that is just to preserve their value and to get the highest transfer fee whenever they do move on. Surely De Laurentiis and the fans know that those two players are going to move on at some point. It was an achievement for them to keep them in the summer. So I do think there is a pressure on the club to, what's the saying, make hay while the sun shines, basically have a lot of success while those two players are in the squad. So I think that's a factor as well. I think it's a huge factor, Graham. I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. This is the title window. Like they they recognize that a title, or they should recognize that the title window is tied to those two players. The challenge for Napoli, at least as I see it, is, is yeah, they make a few moves coming into the season, but really do any of us think that their squad is miles away from Juventus's squad or from Inter Milan's squad who made a run to the Champions League final last year to AC Milan's squad who made a run to the Champions League semifinal last year. And I think we all agree, we've talked about this before, had an excellent summer transfer window, probably the best summer transfer window in Italy. Like, I don't think the reality of the situation of Napoli's title window closing in a year's time or two years' time or whatever, I kind of thought it was closed last summer and then these two stars stuck around. So that extended it one more season. But that reality of the title window doesn't square with the relative quality of Napoli's squad combined with their managerial instability compared to the rest of the top of Serie A. Like, they're in the thick of it, in my opinion. But I don't think you can really come in and and look at this team and say, like, oh, they're obvious title favorites. Like, if they don't win, this is some sort of failure. Or, like, we have set ourselves up for full-on success with this squad to be no-brainer title favorites. I just just don't see that with this Napoli team. Serie A was so bad in the first half of yeah. last season. Like, all the big teams were bad. And if you look at this season, as Joe mentions, the two Milan teams both look stronger. I think Juventus looked marginally stronger. They at right. least seem to be on more solid footing, at least. Hard season. to drop lower than last year. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Fiorentina looked like a decent team this season. They, they're up there. They've had a good start. I don't know whether they'll be able to maintain it. I guess the jury's still out on Roma and, and Lazio. Lukaku seems to be firing go- firing in goals for them now, so maybe that changes the picture for Roma. Uh, Atalanta seem to have something going at the moment, so I think, broadly speaking, this is a stronger league than it was last season, and that in itself makes it tougher for Napoli. Title window closes a little bit more then, Graham. It does indeed. Let's take another break. When we come back... What's next for this team? Who are the contenders to take charge? One may have taken charge already by the time you listen to this listener, but we'll be back very shortly. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to The Big Thing. We are talking Napoli. Uh, Fabrizio Romano, Taylor, your friend and mine, reporting mm-hmm. early this week that Antonio Conte was going to come in 
and manage Napoli. Doesn't seem to be the case now, but was an interesting candidate for the job. Interesting is a good word there, because I'm not sure. I think we've already covered this a little bit. I'm not sure he stylistically is the best fit, and I'm not sure even tactically or formation-wise is the best fit. Uh, was reportedly offered 8 million euros per season to come uh, out of his sabbatical to manage Napoli, and by all accounts, he basically wants to take the time, wants to spend time with his family, maybe doesn't want to move to Naples, who knows? Uh, so Garcia remains in charge, but again, I don't think that's a ringing sign of support when a very high-profile manager was publicly sounded out and then turned it down. I don't know if that would make me, if I'm Rudy Garcia, feel like, no, okay, I'm good then. <laughs> he said no, so I'm fine now. Um is it being characterized as a sabbatical for Conte? And if so, how different will his hair be when he comes back? It seems like everybody is on sabbatical uh, until they're not. Because Spalletti was also on sabbatical, right? Until Italy had a vacancy and now he's the Italian national team manager. Yeah. I did he wonder. Was so, he was so fatigued that exactly. he had to take on the most stressful job <laughs> exactly. in international management. <laughs> two, two months later. Yeah, exactly. So it feels like sabbatical is maybe the popular expression uh, to your question. I don't know. I like to think like, let's have Conte come back with a, like a Mohawk or something like that. Like a, like a, a full on road warrior style Mohawk to really like sell the metal that. approach. I'm into we, it. We, we need that hairstyle. Um, the, the only way I can see Conte ever making sense in any reality for Napoli based off of where they've been is if Napoli's real problem was somehow ketchup induced. Like I, I, I don't, un- I don't understand how you could possibly rationally go from this idea of we're going to play a very specific style, like we're going to play building from the back and, and losing Kim and Jay, Graham, I love those stats that you brought up earlier. That does impact them some, but you still have the vast majority of those players back again to run it back. And you say, all right, we're going to go from the style that we found success in that the players seemingly enjoyed that set up our stars for success that allowed us to play the way we want to play and energized our team to not doing that and doing basically the exact opposite under Antonio Conte. Not that his teams never have the ball and they would have dominated some possession anyway, but are much more transition-oriented. Different formation is what we've come to expect, at least from Antonio Conte teams in the past. There's just no continuity there. Like, I don't understand why you would go from a title-winning season when you've kept most of your important players and your two superstars to then changing like everything tactically about what you're trying to do. I think that idea of them even toying with bringing Antonio Conte into this club. Yes, things with Rudy Garcia haven't gone particularly well in terms of some of the relationships, it seems. But I don't know why that means, like, oh, Conte is our man. Like, guys, we're going to fix this. Conte is going to fix it for us. Well, they they wouldn't be the first team, sorry to interrupt, Taylor, they wouldn't be the first team to uh, go quite, you know, off-piste with their next managerial appointment. Oh. The team who last hired Antonio Conte probably did the same thing yeah, as well. But, but, but I think but, it, it also, it ties back to the, the fan thing and getting getting buy-in yeah. from the rest of the club as well, doesn't it? Because if you've got a manager who'll come and handshake Thomas Tuchel to death yeah. on the sidelines for you, <laughs> then that's more appealing for the matches yeah. in Naples. I'm not, I'm not arguing with that as a concept, but that's, I think we should all agree that's not the right way to run a soccer team, right? Like, yes, you should value your fans and you should want to make them a part of the club. But if you're making decisions based off of just appeasing the fans and not doing something that's going to actually help your players win games, that is not the right thing to do. Like, you can go from Conte. Just because teams have done it before doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do again. Joe, from a technical perspective, yes. But this is a business. De Laurentiis just this week describing himself as an entrepreneur businessman. And he's pleasing his customers, right? You know what customers like, Ryan? Winning games. That, I think, is, <laughs> is the big thing here. So that's, that's what I've got okay. to say about that. 
Okay, fair enough. Anyway, Joe, Joe is yeah. never going to get hired by Todd Bowley at this rate. <laughs> Darn it. That out there as well. Darn it. Yeah, I wanted that, that, that Bowley beer, guys. Gig. I wanted yeah. that Bowley beer. It is uh, another Spurs situation if he ends up going there. I'm, I'm not saying that Antonio Conte couldn't be successful at Napoli. He is, he is a good manager, Antonio Conte, or he has been a good manager in, in, in the past. It's just we, there's not really any evidence at Napoli that suggests he would be the right manager for that team. He would have to implement a completely different style of play. I'd imagine he'd have to sign players in the transfer market. So it's probably not something that's going to come to fruition this season. And oh, by the way, Spalletti seemed to be quite unhappy with the money that De Laurentiis gave him to spend in the transfer market. Mm -hmm. Antonio Conte, notoriously not very easy to work with in terms of what he asks for um, in the transfer market in, in terms of players. So I don't think it's a great fit. I'm not. I'm not saying Antonio Conte can't succeed there. It just feels like a giant, giant gamble. I mean, right. it, it feels fully like he looked at the Wikipedia page for list of Napoli managers and thought, like, yeah, Antonio Conte fits with that vibe of Benitez, Sari, and well, Spalletti. Exactly. That like, is it. Yeah. It's, it's, De Laurentiis ha- clearly has an ego. He wants the highest profile manager for uh, for Napoli, mm-hmm. and at the moment out of work that's Antonio Conte he's the biggest name Italian manager regardless of how his teams play what success he had or failure he had at Spurs he's the he's the big name so that's mm. it that's why he's why he's going for him I'm trying to think of who other Italians Pippo Inzaghi got um, a job last week it's not him like there are well, does, yeah, does yeah, be, yeah of course yeah well, let's um, talk about him good. but I've got a few under the radar ones as well go on Taylor away you go well, I, I think like uh the I was trying to remember if there was a manager who was doing okay with a big team, but then still got sacked because it just didn't seem like the right fit. And I think the answer is Ernesto Valverde, who with Barca, I believe he was sacked with them either top of the table or near the top of the table. But it was basically just the players didn't like him. It didn't feel like it was really fitting. It It was was really working. (laughs) There you go. Um, and, And it was like not really improved from there. They go to from Ernesto Valverde to Kike Setien to Ronald Koeman, uh, to then Xavi. And, and I think Napoli seem like they are investigating the high-profile names, and Roberto De Zerbi would would be one of those, not in the Antonio Conte model, but just in a more like, very exciting up-and-coming manager who's had a lot of success. I don't know if I would leave Brighton if I were him for Napoli. I'm not sure that is... I, like, I guess you have more chance to play in Europe, theoretically, although Brighton might be in Europe next season. Who knows? Um, if I were him... There's two names that make more sense to me, and this is speaking from a very limited knowledge standpoint, but uh, Vincenzo Italiano seems to have done some good things with uh, Fiorentina. Wants to get uh, a great so, name. What's that? He's got the best name in Italian. He really does. He <laughs> yeah. really does. And then uh, Tiago Motta is another one yeah. who, who seems to have... Uh, Motta's going to get a big job somewhere. Yeah, um, and, and I think that that's fitting, because with what, he, with what he's done with Bologna, and I think people... Sometimes still unfairly remember Mata as like the ridiculous formation guy, uh, whereas in reality, I think he's somebody who has been able to create attacking teams without necessarily breaking the budget. Um, I don't really know fully if like stylistically they're going to come in and do the exact same thing. Uh, broadly speaking, I think that there are some uh, some parallels there or some things that would overlap and work okay. But those are two names that I think are sort of not going to demand a ridiculous amount of money, not going to cost a ridiculous amount of money to get them out of their contracts, theoretically, um, but also have enough of a profile and pedigree that I don't think that they would be uh, massive downturns by any stretch of the imagination. Graham, what direction do you think Napoli will end up going in? And it feels like they're going to pull the trigger maybe even next week on something, right? 
So I think Garcia might survive this international break. Mm-hmm. Um, the reporting that I saw was that Conte is just waiting it out a little bit longer to see how things pan out. But Napoli have some difficult matches coming up before the next international break in November. So they've got Union Berlin home and away in the Champions League. I know this seems ridiculous, but I wonder how much damage that home defeat to Real Madrid did in the in the, in the mind of De Laurentiis um, in that you know, if they're one of the big contenders for the Champions League, should anyone be coming to the Maradona and, and, and beating them? Obviously, Real Madrid are an exceptional team, but I, I can see that maybe upsetting De Laurentiis. So those two games against Union Berlin are, are big. If Napoli are to make, make out of the group, they've got AC Milan in between those two games as well. And if they struggle in those, then I think that will be it for Garcia by the time the next international break comes around. I can't see past Antonio Conte. He hasn't said no to the job. He's essentially said he wants to wait and see what happens. Um, so yeah, I could see I could see Conte happening. I was I was looking through um, to your point, Taylor, about kind of left field options. I was looking through the Serie A table right now to see if any managers jump out. There's a bit of talk about Alberto Gilardino, who's who's doing reasonably well at, at Genoa. He's brought them up from Serie B. They're 15th in Serie A at the moment, so maybe not. Maybe not pulling up any trees. Fabio Grosso would have been an interesting one, but he's just gone to Leon. He was at Frosinone. They're, they're in they're in the top eight in Serie A right now. People think that he is uh, quite an exciting up and coming manager. So I could have seen his name maybe being in the frame. But yeah, he's he's just got a, another job, so he won't be linked with this one. Yeah, it seems a lot of managers just got another job who might have been in the ring. The aforementioned Pippo Inzaghi as well. I think went to Salernitana earlier this week as well. I thought he might have been a candidate. Uh, Joe, any thoughts on the best path forward for Napoli at this point in terms of their coach? I think it still depends on if things can be worked out with Rudy Garcia. At this point, it feels like that's not going to be the case, given how publicly a lot of this has become over the last few days. So I think you want to go out there and have contingency plans in place. You want to do that before you have to be in the situation of your Napoli. But I'm going out there. I'm trying to find someone who roughly fits this style if things can't be fixed, if things can't be papered over. And, and I still lean towards that not being able to be the case. But I, I would still be pushing to try and find some sort of sustainable solution with the current setup. And then going to someone, not Antonio Conte, that's going to try and continue a lot of what has helped Napoli find a lot of success over the last season. All right. Uh, Taylor Rockwell, my final question for you on this episode, my good man. It's a difficult one. Um, And it's about whether last year was an anomaly for Napoli. Do you see Napoli title challenging or even winning the title in the next five or even ten years, realistically? Five or ten? That is such a long time. Call it seven. I was ready for you to say say two or three. (laughs) Okay, five years. Call it five years. Um... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't. I, basically, I don't see why not because I don't see Serie A as getting a ton more money anytime soon, necessarily. I mean, short of like a ridiculous amount of investment into one club or one takeover, it feels like clubs will kind of rise and fall, have ups and downs. And so I think what that then means is that you have to be a good team at the right moment and have the right players come together under the right manager. I also think you can't, like, at the same time, be overly focused on, like, are we doing it the right way? Is this how we did it last time? I think if you're constantly trying to compare yourself to a past team or a past experience, you're going to run into problems because you're not really being in the present. You're not really dealing with things as they come. But it's also maybe applying an unfair standard. But I think if you can sort of 
get your team in the in the right situation under the right manager who can rally the team because again lest we forget had lots of similar concerns lots of similar issues last season and they overcome those admittedly due to a weakened uh group of competitors around them but i think that could always happen again in Serie A, and i think napoli could always uh catch form as well and i don't think we have a team right now that is as much of a juggernaut as, say, Juve were for the last few seasons when it was just them winning every single time, even if Napoli ran them close. I'm not sure we're at that spot yet with Serie A. Maybe we will be, but right now, yeah, I think in the next couple of years we could see them challenging yeah. for the Scudetto again, if not winning it. Out of the big five European leagues, Serie A seems to have the most parity in the top six. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the, the, it's the strongest league, but in terms of picking a winner season on season. In fact, over the last four years, they've got to have, there's got to have been four different winners, right? Juventus, then Inter won it, then AC Milan won it, then Napoli won it last season. So that's got to be um, more variance than every other big five league. In, I think we in, all knew that Europe. off the top of our heads like Graham. Yeah, we were totally all on the same page and ready to list uh, champions. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Those are all pretty memorable Scudetto wins. Well, Juventus, I was kind of just taking a guess that Juventus won it four years ago, but I think they did. Um, but Napoli actually have a decent record of renewal as well. So while I mocked Ryan for like trying to, for asking us to project like 10 years out, if we look 12 years ago and they had that team with Cavani and Lavezzi who, that were very good. And at that time when they leave and they both go to PSG, everyone kind of thought, oh, well, that's that's Napoli's chance gone. They had these two superstars. They're never going to reach those heights again. Then all of a sudden Insignia and Dries Mertens and all those guys come along and they challenge for a little bit with Sarri come close to winning a, a Serie A title. Then those guys leave. That brings us up to last summer, where, as Taylor mentioned earlier in the episode, there's those protests. Fans are unhappy with the players that have come in. Then all of a sudden, it's Osman and Kvarat Scalia. So they do have a, a decent record of renewal. That's not to say that they can do it every single time. At some point, their luck will probably run out. But they have been in this situation before. They have indeed. And time will tell how the Neapolitans get on after this period in time. We shall see. Taylor Rockwell, for now, thank you very much for big thing in it with us. Thank you, my friend. Joe Lowry, pleasure as always, my good man. Right back at you, Ryan. And Graham Rotham, grazie mille. Grazie mille, Ryan Bailey. And listener, thank you most of all for joining us on this episode. Let us know what you think about it. We'll be back on the feed next week, of course. But for now, bye! Bye!